0: Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. One of the first conversations that my wife and I had back when we first met, we had gone on this little walk out in the woods near the summer camp that we were both working at. And one of our first conversations was what a pastor's family's life looked like. She knew that I was a theology major in school and that I was looking to be hired as a pastor, and she asked me what I thought about pastors' families and, and what kind of work-life balance did I foresee having. It's kind of an interesting conversation for, you know, one of the first conversations to have, but, but it really set the basis and the foundation for our entire relationship. And now that we're married, our marriage, and how I do juggle work and, and life and family and, and ministry and everything. Well, today's guest, Pastor David Hartman, is someone who's also had to deal with this. I know last week we talked with Pastor Stuart Lazinski and he talked a little bit about how he dealt with ministry and family and how he had to step back from the ministry for a few years in order to keep his family. Well, David Hartman had a similar experience and uh it really has made a big impact in my life just hearing his story and and knowing the kind of decisions he's made and i'm just so thankful that he did make the decisions that he made and um david hartman is is a good friend of mine he is kind of like my boss as well as my pastor anyway we'll explain that a little bit as we introduce him in the interview so sit back relax and I hope that my conversation with Pastor David Hartman inspires you just as much as it did me. Elder Hartman, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Joel. Good morning to you, and it's a privilege to be a featured guest. I've actually listened to some of your uh, episodes in mm-hmm. the past, and uh, wow, what a privilege to be <laughs> part of
0: it. Well, I'm glad that you were willing to join us, and thank you so much for your, for being willing. You're welcome. Um, so, just as an introduction to our listeners, um, our... our denomination is kind of set up a little bit differently than some other denominations we have um, conferences that employ pastors rather than local churches employing pastors that's and, correct and so you work at the conference office so you're one of my bosses yes <laughs> as well as kind of a pastor to the pastors yeah so so you're really my pastor yeah and uh so i don't know if you want to explain that any better than yeah. i did
1: yeah uh we're not a congregational form of government uh, we're similar to the Methodist Church. Many of our founding fathers and, and ladies were Methodist. And so that was a great organizational system, and mm-hmm. that's uh, what we adopted back in 1863 when we were formally founded. So when there's a vacancy in a local church, rather than the Board of Elders, whatever, searching for a new pastor. Mm-hmm. uh I am the ministerial director. I help to fill those vacancies. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm your pastor, and I'm also the evangelism coordinator for the
0: conference. So I enjoy those varied roles. So you have several hats that you're wearing. That I do. So one of the things, or basically the uh, the focus of this program is stories of faith and hope so we're looking at encouragement and and stories because i believe that everybody has a story mm. and uh, and everybody's testimony can inspire faith and hope in somebody mm. and uh so we just want to get to know you a little bit um, tell us a little bit about your background where did you grow up what kind of home life did you have okay let's start at the beginning
1: well, uh, you've heard of army brats. I'm a preacher's kid. You know, my dad moved many times throughout his ministry, forty years of ministry. So, i I grew up in a pastor's home, and um, I was very driven to please God. Mm-hmm. I just had that desire to go to heaven, and uh, so. But there came a point in my life in college where I kind of had a shipwreck of my faith. I, uh, had to reach out. I realized that my good works cannot save me. And I, I cried out to Jesus, cross my name out of the book of life. I don't even know if it's there, but, uh, I, and he gave me Jude 24 hmm. unto him. Who's able to keep you from falling and to present you perfect before the throne. And uh, I found Jesus as my only righteousness and only perfection. And so that gave me a, a new start in life. And, um, I went to college, studied to be a pastor, and then seminary. I've been out 34 years now in ministry, wow. and uh, currently I live just um, about two miles away from Highland Academy, where it's a parochial school where our our high school students come and live in a dorm mm-hmm. and. Um, I used to pastor the church here, but nine years ago I got asked to be the ministerial director. Okay. And I still live in my same home. So twenty one years wow. I've been in the same place.
0: Wow, that is really nice. Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: So so after you graduated from school you went directly to seminary uh-huh. or did and, and I had a year re- out first.
1: Okay. I was burnt out on school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you how that can feels. relate. Yes. But after taking so much Greek and Hebrew and all these theological classes I was just itching to get out into the real world and, mm-hmm. and utilize what I'd learned. So they allowed me to take a year of internship in Birmingham, Alabama, okay. where I learned the uh, what ministry was really like. <laughs> and then I went to seminary. Mm-hmm. And all of my buddies, they were picking these theology classes for electives. And I was picking counseling and these mm-hmm. practical classes mm-hmm. because I knew what ministry would really mm-hmm. be
0: like. Mm-hmm. So then when you, when you graduated from seminary then, where, where did you end up working?
1: Well, I was called by the Gulf States Conference. That comprises Alabama, Mississippi, and the Panhandle of Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started out in a little three-church district in Columbus, Mississippi. Wow. Columbus, Tupelo, and Amory. Had a total combined membership of 85 people. <laughs> so it was, but I was scared to death. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, my dad was a pastor. I should know all these things. But when push came to shove, that first church board meeting, that first sermon, <laughs> it's like you're terrified. Yes. I'm naturally introvert, mm-hmm. quiet. But uh, ministry has made me much more extrovert. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're kind of forced into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, any any stories from that first district that you'd like to share? Maybe uh, maybe encouraging to some who are maybe young in ministry, or or maybe something to give them hope that that, that their struggle is the same. For well, everyone. I'll tell you.
1: I, I'll share this, even backing up a little more. Uh, I sensed God calling me to pastoral ministry when I was like in high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted to be a teacher, a high school teacher, and I didn't want the regiment of my dad's profession that he had had. I saw how he got beat up mm-hmm. by church boards and church members sometimes, so I ran from ministry. Mm-hmm. But finally, after about three years, God seemed to say, David, it's not your talents, gifts, skills, and abilities that will make you a successful ministry. Mm-hmm. It's what I can do in and through you if you just submit. So I said, all right, Lord, can't argue with you. With you. And so I said, here I am. And uh, I guess, man alive, those first, first two years of sermons, <laughs> I pity my wife. I was tied to my notes and scared to death to stand up and so forth. But God equips you to do what he calls you to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a beautiful thing to see. I remember my first uh, Revelation seminar that I gave. I, that's more of a classroom-style evangelistic series of meetings. Um, man, I'm pacing out in the parking lot of the Holiday Inn, And I know in five minutes I have to get up there and stand and have something to say. And I just, I was paralyzed. I said, God, I prepared for this, but I'm freaking out. Mm -hmm. And God said, go with confidence, David. I'm with you. My word is the heavyweight. Mm -hmm. My word will convict hearts. It's Mm -hmm. not your job. Um, I tell you what I did wrong in that first district I was trying to be the super pastor, (laughs) and I took care of all the counseling needs, all the Bible studies, all the visits at the hospital. And you wisen up after a while Mm -hmm. and say, wow, I felt like Moses, you Mm -hmm. know, in the story uh, back in Exodus. He got reprimanded by his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, thousands of people are lined up to, to visit with you, and you're going to burn out, and you're going to wear them out. Mm-hmm. He said, set up a system where you utilize elders and other leaders in the church to to serve and disciple. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot in that first district. (laughs) Wow, I can imagine. Yeah.
0: So then you were married before this then?
1: Yes, I was married um, right after college. Judy and I got married July 25, 1982. Mm -hmm. My wife will be proud when she hears me remember that. Yeah and and so then we came out and uh I was pastor intern pastor in Birmingham while she taught then we went to seminary. So I've had that life partner with me. I didn't have to start ministry, Joel, mm-hmm. like you did your first district without <laughs> yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. And uh you seem a lot happier now that you have a, a life partner with you.
0: I am. It is so much so much easier. <laughs> I yeah, she uh she, I, I, I really don't know how I did it because she helps so much with with just I really don't know I don't know how to explain it but but she helps so much as a partner in ministry yeah so. well for me I have a hard time processing things by mm-hmm. myself.
1: I come home after a board meeting I'm frustrated or you' you've hit a conflict in the church you know mm-hmm. and I just like to tell somebody about my day mm-hmm. so after supper. Uh, Judy and I like to walk mm-hmm. up and down Trivet Drive and, and uh, Judy, how was your day? What was the high points? What was the low point? Mm-hmm. And she'll ask the same of me. So you tend not to bottle things and carry things where they get mountainside. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of processing along the way. Yeah. It's, it's helpful to have that married yeah. partner.
0: So talking about family as well as, as lessons you've learned about not being the super pastor, um, I know you've shared with me before that, that you still kind of had, had trouble doing everything. Yeah. And what kind, how, how have you learned to balance family life and ministry? Because I know that's, that's often a trade-off a lot of pastors make is, is either the church or family. Um,
1: I think one of the biggest challenges that I see young pastors go through is how to find that balance. And I guess whatever profession you're in, mm-hmm. you know, for, for men, we tend to, our identity is wrapped around our work. Mm-hmm. We want to be the best carpenter, best doctor, best uh, real estate agent or pastor that we can be. So I swore I would not be like my dad. Mm-hmm. He is type A. He was always busy in ministries. Um, weekends, I never saw him. Sabbath afternoon... You know, my mother would take us two brothers, us two boys, and go hiking with us, Sabbath afternoon hike. He was busy in meetings or Bible studies. I swore I wouldn't be that way, but I ended up being just like my dad. Mm. And I uh, came to a crisis point, Pensacola, Florida. I had been in ministry about five years now. I had moved from Columbus, then to Meridian District, then to Pensacola, Florida, all part of the same conference. And we had two huge building projects, church building projects. We built a new University Parkway Church, uh, about a a $3 million project. We built a new church in Milton. And there were about 50-some building committee meetings. I was busy in ministry, doing everything. And I got a letter on my desk one morning. I was on my way out of town to go to a double meeting in Montgomery. Uh, minister's meeting followed by an executive committee and there is a letter eight-page letter and it's from judy and i go "Uh (laughs) uh-oh i said this this doesn't look like a love letter this looked like a, a scolding letter a letter of desperation it was and essentially judy said david i feel like you're married to the church Mm -hmm. and me and Matt and Beth our kids are getting the leftovers Mm -hmm. something has got to change wow so here I am in the car driving along and I cried out God I don't want to be like dad but I'm just like dad and this has never been modeled to me Mm -hmm. a balanced ministry and I need help I love my wife and kids with all my heart but I need help to know how to balance so I got to um the budgetal hotel next morning I'm journaling I do something called biblical journaling where I read through a book of the Bible at a time and write down what God says to me through that so here I am in John 3.16 that particular morning radio listeners all of you know what John 3.16 is you can recite it from heart I thought I know that verse God so loved the world that he gave let's jump over it keep going (laughs) And God said, David, you just cried out yesterday on your drive here. I want to do a better job loving my family. Show me how. This is where the secret is. So um, I I meditate on it. And what hit me was this. True love always expresses itself in an active way Mm -hmm. so that the recipients get it. God didn't say, hey, I love you guys down there leaning over the throne, (laughs) the arm of his throne. He so loved that he gave his only begotten son. He expressed it in a tangible form so we could get it. Mm-hmm. So I began to create a, um, a date night with my wife every week and a daily duo time, I call mm-hmm. it, and a daily daddy time. And God began to bring balance into my life. And I began to have these conversations. Judy, um, what would be most meaningful for you as far as time together? And mm-hmm. I'd ask my kids. How would you like me to spend time Mm -hmm. with you? Matt wanted me to throw the baseball. Beth wanted me to play hide-and-go-seek. So, you know, it looks different for different Mm -hmm. people. But that was a turning point for me. Mm -hmm. A turning point.
0: Wow. So we only have about a minute or two left, but I know you recently just released a book about about witnessing, seven different witnessing styles, um, and you're very passionate about evangelism. Um, I was thinking maybe we could close with just some of your thoughts on evangelism. Why is that so important to you and uh, any closing thoughts that you have Mm -hmm. for our Mm -hmm. listeners? Jesus is coming soon, I believe it with all my heart, and he loves this
1: world, and he wants everybody to be saved. We can only be saved by coming into a saving relationship with Jesus. And so he's put a responsibility on all of us who are Christians, who bear his name, to share Jesus. We can do it in different forms Mm -hmm. and formats. We don't have to witness in the same armor. And so my book looks at how we can just pray for people, or be a friend, or serve a practical need, or share a testimony or invite them to a special felt-need event or just get into casual conversation and eventually sharing Bible studies or maybe a preaching series where they can learn the full message mm-hmm. of God's love. But I am convicted that not just pastors or professional evangelists are called to share their faith. Everybody, even little children, 100-year-olds,
0: mm-hmm. we can all share in our style.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So any any closing thoughts that you'd like to share from maybe to a, to other ministers or to a layperson who's listening or maybe someone who's who's struggling in whatever job they have to find that balance between work yeah. and family? Any? Yeah.
1: I believe that uh, God is there for us. This last year, I went through the loss of my mother and lots of tragedies in my life and i discovered isaiah 41:10 to be a real source of help fear not for i'm with you be not dismayed for i am your god i will help you i will hold you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand so uh, whatever you're facing out there radio world uh, god loves you and he will provide for you and support you
0: such an inspirational story and such an incredible man Something that I was hoping we'd have time to cover in the interview, but we just ran out of time, is the fact that Elder Hartman is actually no longer at the conference office. He is transitioning to becoming a professor at Southern Adventist University in the Chattanooga area. So he has currently moved down there now. Um, We just spent the last couple of weeks in Europe together, Um, quite a few of us pastors went over there to Italy and Switzerland, and so got to spend some more time with him there. And uh, he has now moved to Chattanooga and is transitioning into his new role as a professor. But I am just so glad that he was willing to come on to this show and to share his incredible story. And I hope that you were as blessed by his story as I was. You know, one of the questions that I have gotten several times is, why is the program called Stories of Faith and Hope? Well, as I've said before, the uh, the program was originally and still is a radio program here in Lawrenceburg, started by Pastor Schomburg. So that's probably a question that we need to ask him. But... Not too long ago, Dr. Henderson and I sat down in the studio, and we talked about the name, Stories of Faith and Hope, and what faith and hope meant to each one of us, and how they were tied together. And we told stories from our own personal life, as well as talked about Bible stories that reminded us of faith and hope. So that is the program that we're going to air next Friday, and uh, here is a sample From that program, Dr. Henderson is sharing the story about how he ended up transitioning to Lawrenceburg.
2: Take a listen. We began to just eliminate one after the other of the places we had visited, and it came down between two places, Marietta, Georgia, or Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, Hmm. and, uh, Marietta, Georgia probably had the uh, upper hand at the time because I could go in with another doctor and uh, uh, have a a salary right to begin with Mm -hmm. and so on. And Lawrenceburg... All it meant was that I was going to be given a place that I could land as far as my (laughs) uh, family was concerned, a little house that we could live in for free, Mm. but otherwise no guarantee of any kind. Wow. Wow. And uh, so my wife and I decided we needed to see where God wanted us. Mm -hmm. And she went in one room and I went in another room and we prayed uh, independently Mm-hmm. And after we came out of the room, we looked at each other and we said, Well, what did uh, God impress you with? And we both came up with Rohrensberg. You'll hear that entire story as well as the rest of
0: our conversation about faith and hope and what it means to each one of us next week, right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. In the meantime, you can check us out online at faithandhoperadio.com on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. We are on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play, so you can subscribe to us on whatever platform you prefer. Uh, Give us a five-star rating, and um, make sure that you tune back in next week for our conversation on faith and hope. Music was provided by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. I hope that you have a wonderful day, blessed week, and until we meet again, may God bless you with faith and hope.